I don't know how many of you were watching that, but uh, Josh saw I tried to knock down that post as I was leaving the pew, <laughs> leaving my seat over there, ran right into it. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not embarrassed. I do that kind of thing. That's me. <clears throat> I want to make uh, just a couple other brief announcements. Uh, I don't see him here. I see Laura. Gary's not here, is he? Uh, Gary Fancher has been uh, really struggling uh, with his shoulder. And so I just want to remind us all, I know some of you are aware, but for those of you who aren't, please be praying for Gary. And also, uh, Amy Wallace had surgery last week, and uh, uh, she's recovering. Last I heard from, from Larry, everything's going fine, but she's recovering. So let's just remember them in prayer. I have one other announcement that I'm going to make at the end of this talk, uh, but I'll save that for them. Uh, one of the major themes, I guess you'd say, of Advent Christmas season is peace. Peace on earth. And so we're going to talk about that for a little while today. I was driving down the road with Eden. We had a little bit of uh, time together recently, and we were listening to Christmas music, and uh, the song The Most Wonderful Time of the Year came on, and I paid attention to the lyrics. I guess I haven't noticed this before. Here's what it said. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And that is true, but I couldn't help but think as I heard that, what else happens when loved ones are near? Notoriously, when loved ones are near, hearts start glowing, but not with love. <laughs> A lot of times, when loved ones are near, and peace becomes much more difficult, we recognize it, I should say, as much more difficult than it sounds in songs. And the holiday season is just one of many instances, maybe one of the the special instances when we can pay attention to how absent peace often is in our relationships, in our families, in our churches, of course, in, in the nation, in the world. But everybody wants peace. I've never seen anybody holding a sign saying, well, we're against peace. <laughs> Let's do a protest against peace. Everybody wants peace, but yet it is so rare to find it. We see it on bumper stickers and signs and slogans. It's probably been a year and a half ago or so. And something Eden had seen on TV led her to do this. And she started taking pictures. And we, and we still have pictures that will come across, at least one I know, like this. Eden's doing this. The peace sign, right? <laughs> it's so funny to see her as like a five or six-year-old making a peace sign in all her pictures. We know what it is to make the sign. Yeah, Ezra's got it. <laughs> You're good at it. Yeah. We know what it is to make the sign for peace. We know what it is to preach peace. Everybody, everybody wants to proclaim peace. Yet so few people are actually able to live peace. The Beatles sang a song years ago. I just found this out. I, I, I was familiar with the slogan, give peace a chance. I guess I've seen that maybe on bumper stickers or something. So I looked it up, found out it was a Beatles song. Very shallow song. I looked at the lyrics. 
But what was striking to me as I, as I read those lyrics and thought about the Beatles is that the Beatles themselves weren't able to maintain peace. The band broke apart. There was a bitter, bitter rivalry between uh, John Lennon and Paul McCarthy. All we're saying is give peace a chance, what their song said. Well, how are you going to do that if you can't even maintain peace with each other? This is the dilemma we're in in the world. When you hear all these slogans, when you look around and see all these people proclaiming peace, what they are usually proclaiming is something that they believe is humanly achievable. It's something you can go after and get, or we can go after and get. And let me say to you, if that were really possible, we would not be celebrating Christmas today. Because Christmas says to us that we needed something that we couldn't provide. I told people I was in Kentucky last week, and I told them I was going to teach them a theological word. I'll teach it to you too. You want to know what it is? Help! That's an important theological word every Christian has to know. Help! Because that's what we're always doing. That's the whole situation we're in. We find ourselves in a situation that we cannot fix. And as long as we think we can, we follow dead-end roads. And we look for solutions that are ultimately empty. The solution that really is effective is the one that's been given to us from above. It is God coming near and helping us. What we needed was not more advice, not a Beatles song or a bumper sticker. What we needed was a great disruption. We needed God to come in and take the steering wheel out of our hands to wrest control from us and take over himself. We needed him to come and, and release a fragrance that the whole earth could breathe in and become a people of peace. You see, this is what Christmas is. This is what Advent is. This is all about the gospel. You see, we've been so secularized. Even, even the church, many times, despite what we outwardly profess, we've been so secularized that many times we just don't believe the gospel. Josh talked about this last week uh, a little bit. Um, how, how the real problem many times in, in churches is just a, a lack of faith. Despite what people say they profess, uh, uh, many times they just don't really believe things. And what, what we have put before us at this Christmas season is a great mystery that we embrace. We are, we are convinced of its truth. The truth is that God speaks peace, and we need that, and there's no other hope for us. And Christmas isn't just good. Let me tell you, Christmas isn't just good because there's candy and lights and presents and, and, and all that kind of good stuff. It's not just good to go another level with that. It's not just good because we have loved ones. This is where in secular society you sort of get to the top level. This is where you max out. Oh, our loved ones, our family, our memorable moments that we make. Christmas and, and, and Advent are not just good because of that. Christmas is good because without it, 
we are hopeless. We're in a situation in our world. We've had time to work on it, guys, <laughs> as the human species. We haven't gotten it right. We've messed it up repeatedly. We need help. We need the one who made this world, who designed the human being, who designed human community to come close to us and speak peace to us. And that's what happens in Christmas. You see, I'm afraid that in the church sometimes we believe in the story of baby Jesus sort of like we believe in Santa Claus. Which is nice and sweet and we trot it out and we look at pictures but then we don't really think it makes any difference to life. That's not what we celebrate as a church. I'm afraid that we believe more in the magic, the magic of Christmas, the magic of good feelings and good relationships, more than we believe in the mystery of the gospel God revealed to us. And at times as our hearts are warmed, we start to believe more in human goodness than we believe in the human need for a Savior. But see, what Christmas says to us is that we are desperately in need. We've been waiting for help for so long. And God sees that, and he cares, and he comes. He has come, and he does come, and he will come. That's what we proclaim. What the Beatles should have sung is, give God a chance. <laughs> right? We've tried everything else, and just a slogan, give peace a chance, is never going to get us there. How about we give God a chance and give his revelation a chance, give his mighty action, sending himself, sending his son, coming among us as himself, as a baby. How about we give that a chance? And let me tell you, the people on earth who have truly given that a chance are never let down. Never. I'm not saying there aren't difficulties and trials and, and doubts and struggles. I'm saying that those who really embrace it, they will know the truth. If you seek him with all your heart, the scripture says, you will surely find him. And when you do, you will come in, into touch with a peace that you cannot get anywhere else. Peace inwardly, peace outwardly. But you see, what we end up doing is proclaiming peace without believing in the Prince of Peace. And then we hang our hopes on things that are always going to let us down. And it's like trying to hang your coat up on a balloon that's floating around your house. It just drops to the floor. Because it's not attached to anything transcendent. We've got to get a higher level than human relationships. They're great when they're good, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's great to be blessed with, with peace in our family relationships, with love and kindness in our family relationships, but they reflect something higher, something better, something more tr transcendent, and that's where we hang our hope, on the God, and we give this God a chance. One of the scriptures that we read this morning, Brother Cleto read for us, said the government, this this. Prophecy that we're given in Isaiah 9 says the government, the child will be born, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And one of the things that we learn as Christians is that all the really heavy stuff doesn't go on our shoulders. Doesn't mean we don't do things. 
doesn't mean that there's not important actions for us to take. But the heavy burdens and the great change, we give it to God and let him carry it. And the government, the increase of his government, of that there will be no end. That's what we're looking for at Christmas is for Jesus to keep taking over. Jesus has already risen from the grave. And he is right now running our universe. The only reason why we still see so much chaos and death and destruction is because he doesn't want to force himself on people. That's the only reason. If he wanted to force himself on people, then it would all be over right now. And there would be complete peace across the world. But he'd have to destroy human hearts to do that. And he's sitting there trying to win people. (laughs) And so he gives us time. He gives us space as he's ruling, drawing people to himself. And he comes and he takes over churches as one of the things he does. And he should be the head of every church. And where Christ is the head of the church, there should be peace. And people learning what it means to live in peace. Great, great peace. Our scripture in Luke chapter 2. The famous peace passage on earth, peace among people. I'm not going to, I may not have time to get into that translation of that passage. I'm not sure I agree with the translation there at the end of those with whom he's pleased. It might be better to say something like peace from God's goodwill towards people or something like that. But this peace passage, do you know that if, if the angels proclaiming that, if they had been secular angels, they would still have said, give us peace on earth. But they wouldn't have said glory to God in the highest. Secular angels, there are no such things, by the way, because they, they're too smart. But if there, had, if there were such a thing as secular angels, they'd still want peace. They'd still preach peace. They'd just think it was something we could do without God. But you see, in in, in Christ, when you know the Lord, what our proclamation is, is not just peace on earth. Go for it, make peace. It's that God deserves all the glory. And there will be peace because God is so glorious. Glory to God in the highest. That's what we proclaim. And you see, God is so good and he loves people. Don't misunderstand Don't make this so abstract as if it's something that that we could just locate within ourselves or mysterious. Uh, This is because God loves people. He loves human beings and he wants there to be peace. That's God's will. And you want God's will? Then you want peace. I'm actually going to wrap this up pretty soon, so uh, stay with me. We're keeping it short today. I learned this, like many other things from Dallas Willard a long time ago, that uh, many people want peace, but they're not willing to become the kind of people who are capable of peace. So what I want to say to you is that if you, if you look around at a lot of the stuff on TV or wherever it is, you see people who are, who are shouting for peace. 
Many times you can tell even in, in the moment in watching them that they are not people in themselves who are prepared for peace. And many times their relationships, there's a wake of destruction behind them in their relationships, but they're out there saying, give us peace. See, we've got to first be people who are capable of peace. Peace with our families, peace with our friends, peace with our churches. And if God's people aren't capable of peace, how's anybody ever going to be capable of peace? And so when we're praying for peace, as we should, peace in Ukraine, peace in Africa and Asia and all over the world, peace in the United States, let's stop and say to ourselves, am I a person of peace? Am I a person who's willing to be made a peacemaker? And you see, if we're going to learn peace, then we're going to have to learn love. Because really, peace is a byproduct of Christian love. We're going to have to learn forgiveness. See, some of this stuff all sounds really good when it's all written in the abstract. <laughs> but then when we start to bring it home, think, what does this mean? Wait a second. Am I ready for Jesus to make me his representative for peace on earth? Can I tell people, hey, I'm for peace on earth. Come look at me and my family. I am Jesus' person of peace. Are we ready to do that? And then to move out from there to say, let me help you make peace. Maybe we can help the whole world make peace (laughs) as this flame spreads and grows. Peace on earth. Peace in me. Peace in my home. Peace in my church. We learn forgiveness. We have to learn repentance. We have to learn to see people and care about people and listen to people. That's how peace happens. It's a byproduct of real love. So, as I, as I close today, I, um, I just want to tell you that the incarnation of Christ, the Christmas story, tells us that God loves peace. It wasn't a human idea. Nobody thought this up besides God. God loves peace, and he wants peace. I love what Josh said at the end of his sermon Last week, the rest of it was pretty bad, but um, I really liked the end um, where he said uh, Christmas means that we should all get our hopes up. And uh, I have to tell you, my hopes are up. My hopes are up because of what God has done. We needed God to come, and he came. We should never, ever Start to make, make something small out of something that is so big. God came to us in our desperate situation. When we were his enemies, he came to us and he reconciled us to himself. And because of that, you see, I have hope for all kinds of things that are broken that they will be made right. 
There's one this old, I think it's Julian of Norwich, an old spiritual writer, who has this simple phrase uh, that she wrote, but I love it. She said, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. That's what we believe because of Christmas, that all kinds of things are going to be well. And that means broken relationships can be well. I have hope for peace to spread. I sent a few of you this song. Uh, it's kind of a lighthearted song, but I love what it says. Rocky and Lori chose not to listen to it. They told me last night, uh, even though I sent it to them. That's the last time I'm sending them anything. Uh, it's a Zach Williams song, and uh, uh, kind of a country feel to it. But it's this guy singing something so simple, but it really gets me. Um, where, where the guy comes on the song, and he talks about basically he has a bad relationship with his father. And it, the song's all about, he, he said, it's called Jesus' fault. Like it, the, the change in him is Jesus' fault. And he said, um, I told my old man that I loved him today. And he said it back before he drove away. I guess that's what happened. I guess that's what happens when he chases you down. Everything's different. There's a new me in town. I love that. It's just something so simple and so small. It may not get you if you're just hearing it from me, but but it just it really gets to me when I hear that because that's the kind of thing Jesus does. He takes the you know he turns the hearts of the fathers back to the to the children, and the hearts of children back to their fathers, and he just tears down these walls and he makes things peaceful again and so I have hopes that he'll do that over and over again I have a man in my life I know you can't believe it but there are people who don't like me and (laughs) should have seen that one coming I walked into it Um, I uh, love this man he's a good man but uh most of the people who don't like me, they disagree with some church decision I've made or something. So uh, that's what's happened with this guy. And I've given him opportunities to um, tell me if there's, you know, talk about what, what's there. But even more recently, I, uh, I wrote him a letter and was very kind to him, seeking reconciliation. And uh, he called me after getting it. I thought, man, I've really done it. I've said so much that's good and I've softened things. He called me and he wasn't mean, but he basically just said, you know, I don't want you in my life. You know, that, that hurts. Uh, but I have to tell you guys, I'm not giving up <laughs> because God has come near. And I really have hope <laughs> that things are going to be different with this guy. If not in this life, it's going to be in the next. But I have hope for this life. I mean, I really do. I get excited sometimes just thinking about what God is going to do for situations like that. He's come near to us. If he comes to express his love to us in this great mystery as a child who then grows up as the king of the universe, takes the government from his shoulders and dies for us and rises from the grave, And says, I want you to be mine forever. Guess what? He can make peace where we think peace is impossible. (laughs) Amen. God wants peace. So we want it too. Let me leave you with these words from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 
Prince of Peace, where God comes in love to human beings and unites with them, there is peace made between God and humankind and among people. Are you afraid of God's wrath? Then go to the child in the manger and receive there the peace of God. Have you fallen into strife and hatred with your sister or brother? Come and see how God, out of pure love, has become our brother and wants to reconcile us with each other. In the world, power reigns. This child is the Prince of Peace. Where he is, peace reigns. Can I ask you right now just to pause before I'm done and just sit in quietness and um, consider your relationships? And ask the Lord if there's somewhere that he would like for you to make peace. Would you do that just quietly? You can close your eyes, open them however you want to. Lord, have hearts become cold and bitter here? Have we accepted impossibilities that aren't really impossibilities? Soften our hearts where they need to be softened, Lord. And guide us with wisdom and courage in the pathways of peace. It is in the name of our wonderful Lord Jesus who came among us that we pray. Amen.